My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for today's guests. We have two guests today. We have Natalie and Sheridan from the Anxious Love Coach Instagram slash podcast. You guys have social media pages all over the place. I have loved following both of you. I've been in a long-term relationship and I always like to follow, um, you know, pages that give a lot of advice to, you know, create the best relationship for yourself and, and your partner possible. And I've been following you guys for a while and I wanted to invite you on because I honestly, every time you post love the words you say, it's so impactful, you know, your views on relationships, on life. And it's refreshing to hear because there are a lot of other accounts out there that make it seem like, you know, perfect relationships are the only relationships that should exist. I'll stop blabbering now. Welcome to the show, Natalie and Sheridan. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Oh, it's the pleasure is ours. The pleasure is mine. I'm sure Sheridan will say her stuff too. We're on uh, we're on like three people Zoom. So I'm sure sometimes Sheridan and I will talk over each other and that's just technology. <laughs> but the pleasure is ours to to be here. It's it's so wonderful. Um and Mimi, you have such a, an incredible presence um, and you're very articulate and I really, I mean, I, I can just hear in your confidence and your level of presence just in space holding this. So um, awesome. And thank, thank you for, for having us and, and for sharing our hearts <laughs> with the world. So I don't have any questions pre-written for you guys, but I will say I've loved following you and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was targeted one of your TikTok videos like six months ago and I forget the exact one it was. And I think it was actually you, Natalie, and you were talking about how so many of us have relationship anxiety and, you know, just anxiety in general about, you know, like I was kind of saying earlier, how it feels like if one thing isn't perfect, then society is telling us that, you should just, you know, do something else. So I'd love to kind of hear, and I know you have, both of you guys have your own personal stories on how you created this platform to help other women. I'd love to kind of just start by getting the lowdown on both of your personal experiences with this. And when you came to realize that sometimes what we're being told isn't always the truth in the space. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll start because that I, that way I can set up a little foundation and bring Sheridan into this into my story because um, she is a, like a pivotal fractal of this business um, and this message. I guess my my story is I've been with my partner um, Preston for for ten years. We just got married back in June. And I would say for five out of those 10 years, um, if you take out the honeymoon phase and the really extraordinary place we, we are now after doing so much of this work, um, for a good five of those years, I had one foot out the door. And um, we actually just finished a group, Sheridan and I just finished running a group program for women called Both Feet In. And it it's designed to help people with one foot out and one foot in. It's like, we might have 
80% of us on board that says, I love my partner. They're a good person for me. We have the same values. We really want to build some a life together. And we both have similar um, life trajectories that we would like to go. But then there's this like other 20% <laughs> um, that's like, under no circumstances do I want this. <laughs> and it's so important to get all of you or as much as the process of integration that we talk about is, is about getting all of you on the same page and so that you can really move quickly in your life. Um, and a lot of us think that freedom is about having infinite choices and um, freedom is actually in your commitment to a choice. You actually find freedom through making a decision. Um, but due to a lot of trauma that I had in my childhood, you know, my parents had several divorces each. Um, and I really was, there was, a, there was a good amount of dysfunction. Arguably, a lot of it was just human dysfunction, but um, I thought it was wrong and I didn't want to repeat that. So I made this like unconscious pact with myself. Like I will not repeat the patterns of my parents and, and then contrast that. But it's not like I had a frame of reference for what what I would want would actually look like. The only reference point I had was Disney and Hollywood. And that already is not a good setup. <laughs> and then that, that alone would be cause for relationship anxiety. But then on top of that, you know, this generation in particular has the most access to therapy and the ability to heal and improve themselves. And so they want to like infinitely improve themselves to the point of where it's like an obsession. And then on top of that, um, there is this illusion of, um, or this, this paradox of like infinite choices, this Tinder swiping and hinge. And if you, if you've met your partner on hinge and Tinder, that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Um, this is another topic for another day, but I just want to let you know that these apps don't want you to get off the app. So it's in their best interest that you are unsatisfied. So just chew on that. Um, if you found your love of your life on, on the app, you are one of the lucky ones, but the app would like to pull you in and for you to not be satisfied with your partner. So just know that relationship anxiety is in your programming. Um, I had a wonderful partner, but of course there's potentially someone that has a slightly better puzzle piece fit to me. Um, and so many of us think that we have to find the perfect love when in reality, our, our, ed our, our edges of ourselves, the edges of our personality, who we think we are, they are moldable, they are changeable. And so we are not these rigid puzzle pieces, we can change them. And for that reason, perfect love, you know, within reason, obviously you need a decent enough foundation. Perfect love is really much more so created than it is found. Um, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that. And through a lot of, you know, healing work that I've done that I now do with my clients, um, that's really what I've learned in being 10 years in a relationship, five of those being one foot out the door. And some people might've left a lot of people after five years of having doubts, they would just leave. And I don't blame them for that. That that's, makes total sense. But my journey was something in me wanted to stay, something in me trusted the evolution of my partnership. And I'm so glad for that. Um, and some people are going to hear this and think like, oh, she's advocating to stay in mediocre relationships. I'm not. 
Um, but sometimes multiple realities can be truthful at the same time. So long story short, um, there came a time when I started having some breakthroughs in my relationship anxiety, and I started feeling really, really good about commitment and seeing the, the benefits of that. And um, at the time, I was a yoga teacher and a nutrition like lifestyle. I was a trained like lifestyle um, and nutrition coach. And, um, but all of my clients, for whatever reason, kept coming to me about relationships. And I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> so I started this like beta test group. And I was like, I don't know if I can help people, but I'm going to try. So believe it or not, Sheridan was one of those beta test clients. And she was um, an extraordinary one. And through the, remember, what was the name of the course, Sheridan? I think it was Anxiety Whispers. Um, anxiety Whispers. <laughs> Oh my God. I loved it. I was like, great name, Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Sheridan was in Anxiety Whispers. She was like one of the best clients in that. And I actually coached her one-on-one a little bit. And um, through that work, I started Anxious Love Coach because it was a success and a lot of people got a lot out of it. And I I ended up getting more training on top of that. Um, And long story short, Mm, anxious love coach blew up. I couldn't take on all the one-on-one clients I needed. And I didn't have, I didn't see any like official relationship anxiety coaching certification program. So I was just like, well, somebody's got to start doing this work in a messy way. So um, when the demand is there and people are asking you to step into that role, you do it. And um, I trained Sheridan myself, although she's got her own trainings and certifications as well under her belt. Arguably, she has um, a lot more of a like therapist, yoga therapist background. So she's got a lot of the trauma work under her belt already. And I just had to kind of teach her the the anxious love coach philosophy. So that's, that's, um, that's my part of the story. I would love Sheridan if you could, if you could share some of yours as well. Yeah. I mean, I really came in when I met Natalie, you know, I saw a post on Facebook or something. And I was at that point where so many of our clients are as well when they find our work where they're maybe they're going to therapy. I was going to therapy. I'd been diagnosed with complex PTSD and a lot of trauma in my past that I was overcoming. Meanwhile, I had this amazing guy who was just like ticking all the boxes and I kept I, I couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable with the relationship. It, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I had never seen health love modeled to me. Uh, like most of us, my parents are not the textbook. Well, they might be textbook, but they're not a book that you would write, like how to do the perfect relationship about. And uh, so I was going to my therapist and I, I was like, you know, I'm having all these doubts about my relationship. I'm like, I don't know. And the overwhelming response that I got from my friends as well was like, oh, maybe he's just not the right one. But I knew deep down that it wasn't like that. I knew that there was something else going on. I didn't know how to articulate it. And then I remember seeing a post of Natalie and I was like, that's it. That's that's it. (laughs) That's what's happening. And basically I started working with her and Drez and I came to a really, really beautiful place. I actually started, I took some of the the modalities that she taught me when I was working with her and I started teaching them to my own clients. <laughs> um, I was working as a yoga therapist and yeah, then I came in and I started working with people one-on-one and in our groups inside of Anxious Love Coach and it's just blown up and here we are today. Yeah. 
That is such a funny story because I was seeing Sheridan's marketing on her Instagram and she was marketing in a way that made me a little suspicious that she had like, I'm putting quotes with my fingers, borrowed my techniques that I'd learned from my teachers. And then I was like, when I needed help, I was like, well, she already took it. So I don't have to train her as much. She made, she outed herself. So I just, I stole her. Oh, the (laughs) techniques. They're good techniques. What can I do? I love this. And you guys have seen all the growth through Anxious Love Coach on TikTok and Instagram because you're posting such relatable content that so many women in our demographic are like, wait, I didn't know I was the only, I thought I was the only one feeling this way. And it's so funny because I feel like this happens often to women that constantly, like you were saying, Natalie, are obsessed with this personal development work and wanting to be perfect and always thinking that there's better and more out there. That's just so damaging because at the end of the day, like you said, and what I've realized too, it's like you, you don't find a soulmate, you create the soulmate. And, and I've had friends too, you know, say, oh, if if everything isn't hundred percent perfect, then then it's not like, then it's not meant to be. And it's like, wait, that doesn't feel right though. It is meant to be in my heart and gut. I'm like, this is, this is wrong. There has to be another way. So you guys focus on ROCD, if, if I'm getting that correctly, relationship OCD, is it? Or, you know, I, I do want to, I think when I first started, I did, um, I have kind of thrown that word out of anxious love coach, mainly because the demographic that that particular word attracts is people who are looking for a more clinical approach, which we don't have um, for multiple reasons. Number one, we are by no means certified to do the standard treatment of OCD. Um, What we do do is address patterns in human, the human psyche that a lot of people label as OCD, which such as overthinking. Right. Um, so overthinking in the relationship, um, yes, obsessing about, um, whether the relationship is good enough or not, whether your partner is good enough or not, whether I am good enough or not, whether the relationship is good enough or not. Um, we, we work with that and our perspective, which is one of many, and all of them are potentially correct. Um, our perspective is that it's human to overthink when we perceive a potential loss of something we care about. That's a human thing. That's not necessarily a disorder. However, you know, when, when there's a difference between having doubts about your partner and feeling a little bit uneasy, but still being able to proceed in your life and do your day-to-day things. And then to the point where you can't function, you know, that would be what I think a lot of clinical psychologists might call it a disorder. So, so relationship um, anxiety, let's just call it that. We, yeah. we call it relationship anxiety. I just want to make that disclaimer because yeah. people are still coming to us saying, do I have ROCD? And I'm like, I don't know, go see an OCD specialist. <laughs> but if you want help with overthinking from a human perspective, we can help with that. Right. So, wanna, oh, sorry, go ahead. Can I, can yeah. I build on what you said, Natalie? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always for me, it always comes back to safety, right? And it makes sense that a lot of us would be overthinking the relationship choices that we have when we perceive that if we make the wrong choice, we're going to repeat 
maybe like the relationship our parents had, or we're going to see maybe, you know, my best friend went through a really difficult breakup and it was really, really hard for her. Therefore, if I don't choose the correct guy, then I'm going to end up just like her and I'm going to be heartbroken and it's going to be awful. So there's so much weight that's put on this decision of a partner that choosing the wrong one suddenly becomes this like unsafe thing. And if we haven't kind of created that safety inside and learned how to trust ourselves when things are seemingly unsafe, of course we are going to be worried about it. Of course we're going to be thinking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why the work of relationship anxiety is really about um, coming home, but that's a fancy way of saying learning to trust yourself. And when I say trust yourself, a lot of people assume that trusting yourself is like an affirmation that you say to yourself in meditation. Like you sit and you close your eyes and you hold your hands together and you're like, I trust myself. And you just like try and like bulldoze the part of you that's like, no, I don't. (laughs) Which is why trusting yourself is really like recognizing that there's many aspects of you. Um, There's not just this like one singular, singular you there's, there's your your inner hoe, there's your bad bitch, there's your committed housewifey character, there's your inner entrepreneur, there's your inner podcaster. Like we all have these like archetypes that live within the human psyche. And just like in a family, in a household of a lot of different characters, we have these within. And just like in a family, there can be dysfunction between the characters inside. So your inner wifey that really wants to settle down and commit and like make pancakes for your husband on a Saturday morning after he's had a long week could be in direct conflict with the the bachelorette or the bachelor character that just wants to be wild and free. Um, And learning to trust yourself is actually figuring out how to walk that edge of can I be an integrity amongst all parts of myself? Yeah. It's the self exploration and, and trusting yourself and learning about yourself more too, I find. And I'd love to know both of your perspective on this. When, so if someone listening right now has relationship anxiety and maybe they've been in this relationship for a while and maybe they're, they're getting to the age where they want to settle down and they're not sure if it's with the right person, but they just have anxiety around not knowing, right? Because that's what anxiety is. It's the overthinking around not knowing what, what is that, that decision, right? Like, how do you make that decision? What is the difference between actually having relationship anxiety and being with the quote right person or not being with the right person and actually needing to get out of that relationship? And I know you're smiling right now because this is like the question and it's probably hard to answer in one sentence, but I'd love to just dive into this. Is it a gut feeling thing? What is it? I I wouldn't say it's a gut feeling, but there is sometimes an inner knowing. I think when we use the language of a gut feeling, it can be really triggering because you might say, well, I just have a gut feeling this is wrong. And that might also be true. You can have a gut feeling it's wrong and a gut feeling it's right at the same time. And both are true. I'm just going to go ahead and say, trying to answer that question is trying to figure out, is this relationship anxiety or is this the wrong person? Is the same as saying, should I leave this person or should I not? And if we just focus on answering that question and finding some certainty in that question, we're going, to, we're just in the overthinking and we're just in another pattern because at the end of the day, one, there's no textbook that can tell you if this is that or the other, because you're perceiving it, only you can decide. Two, 
even if a textbook did tell you, well, why would you trust a textbook over yourself? So no matter what it is, no matter if you're leaning towards the one or the other, the practice is to stop being in all of the thoughts and actually drop down and say, well, what emotions are here that I'm avoiding by thinking and thinking and journaling and writing and Googling? What emotions do I need to sit with and process? And what, you know, what parts of me are activated inside of this decision? Is it my inner wifey and my inner home? Is it my inner entrepreneur and my, like, in, I don't know, devoted lover? Is it something else? And how do I reconcile their opposing desires and then make a decision that will take care of all parts of me? I always, yeah, I always smile when I get that question because it's the million dollar question. It's like, um, uh, yeah, is it, is it relationship anxiety or do I really have a problem? And my, I often think there's a little bit of both because, um, you know, in, in my experience, my relationship anxiety was coming up during a time where both my partner were in patterns that were not so empowering. Um, I also want to question, just, I just want to throw this out as a thought exercise. Do you really want your relationship to be perfect? You have no work left to do. You're done. Yeah. I personally speaking, (laughs) I'm going to answer for everyone here. Do you really want it to be perfect? I don't know. I, I love I love self-improvement and working towards things and constantly having some goal to work on. Exactly. Right. There is pleasure in the process of the improving. Right. So uh, it's like more than likely, it's a little bit of both, you know, your partner probably is not perfect for you. Um, And that is a really, really humbling realization. I mean, we go on Instagram and we see people I don't know, living in Colombia and the Bahamas, and they only show the perfect parts. They show the beautiful colors. We put a filter over it. We show the tantric cross-legged hand holding deep eye gazing. And we're like, I want that. But you don't, you don't know what, you don't actually know what that is because you've seen a millionth of what that relationship is. One in one out of infinity of what that relationship actually is. You don't know what, what you'd actually be getting into if you were to do that. But the, the illusion makes us always think that there's something better. And, but really, it's not about finding the better partner. It's becoming the better partner. The irony is that when you start you know, owning your shit, I hope it's okay to cuss on here. We're, oh, yeah. We're, say whatever you want to say. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, the irony is that when you start owning your shit and taking ownership and responsibility for your contribution to a negative dynamic, usually the relationship gets better. Um, that's kind of how I distinguish between being in a really toxic relationship or not. If you start feeling better and you start becoming a better person and you start becoming more happy, does the relationship improve? Or does it get worse and the partner tries to get you to go back to that old negative pattern? Granted, there's a little bit of grace period sometimes where if you change a pattern, your partner might try and get you to change back for a brief period. But over the long haul, as one person improves, the entire experience of the relationship improves. But a lot of people are, I'm just going to say it, because of what they've seen online and on social media, they have an entitled mindset around relationships. They really 
want someone else to do the work for them. They're in a victim mindset, maybe because they're, you know, their caregivers were um, abusive in some way. And so they're looking for a partner to rescue them from the void. That's not your partner's job. That's yours. And that doesn't mean your partner should, can't be concerned about you. It doesn't mean your partner doesn't care, but your partner's in their own process. They're not here to rescue you from yours. Mm-hmm. So what are some, and I know this is what you guys teach and there's probably so many things, but what are some actionable steps that someone can take if they're feeling this anxiety about their relationship and they want to take the first step to figure out whether this is real or just anxiety? If anyone takes anything away from this podcast, it would just be do something different. I I have some ideas and some thoughts, but I don't really care what you do differently. I just want you to do something different because something different that isn't reading about it, listening to another podcast or scrolling (laughs) on Instagram, do something different with the way that you relate to your thoughts. Maybe you start observing your thoughts without assigning them meaning. Maybe you go to a rage room and get all your anger out and just kind of see how you feel afterwards. Maybe you take something that I did. I said, I'm going to grieve something for 30 days or 40 days, the way that people used to grieve. I'm going to actively grieve something that happened years ago because it's time now. So maybe it's grieving your last relationship because all that stuck emotion is actually impacting what you're doing now. You can grieve, you can get in your body, you can, you could read books, but I want everyone to, and maybe Natalie, you have some more tangible things, but come out of your head and come out of your pattern and come out of the space of learning and go and be with your body and go and be with your emotions and get most of all really, really curious So it's kind of like you become the person who is doing an experiment on your life and you come from this place of curiosity instead of, and something that so many of us fall into, especially if we're people who are in the self-development world, right? We we came into this self-development world because we want to improve. Therefore, we have a goal. So a lot of the time we actually do the self-development with this goal in mind, with this agenda. But that's not our true self. Our true self doesn't really have an agenda. It's just kind of witnessing the world. And when we come into healing with this agenda, whether it is, and it's contradictory, I know, but whether it is to improve your relationship or become a happier person or feel less anxiety, all the pressure that we put on it just makes it harder. So take that away. Make your mind and your body and your emotions and your life your own little curious experiment. And from that space of curiosity and compassion, things will start changing because they have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I first started doing relationship anxiety work, there was, I know Sheridan just said, you know, the there's only so many books you can read before you start doing the work. And that's true. And I'm going to re- recommend you a book. Haha, <laughs> paradox. <laughs> um, one of the first resources I found, um, and maybe many of your listeners have found as well, is Cheryl Paul. She has a phenomenal um, account and, and a book called The Wisdom of Anxiety. That is a great place 
uh, one, she was a pioneer in, in the anxiety world. So I recommend that one as um, very much. And a very powerful question that she um, coined and uses um, to kind of disarm the, the relationship anxiety is what is this thought protecting me from feeling? Another, and a lot of people are like, huh? How do thoughts, thoughts can't protect? They absolutely do. Because by staying in your head, you don't have to be in your body. By thinking, even though the thought is painful on some level, when you are in your head, you don't have to feel. When you are trying to find certainty through your mind, you don't have to feel the agonizing pain of our own mortality. And I, I say death, but I don't just mean death in the literal sense, although even that is relative. Um, <laughs> but death in the sense of endings. And endings can be maybe, okay, maybe you're you're experiencing relationship anxiety because you're perceiving some kind of ending on some level. Maybe if you break up, it'll be the literal ending of your relationship, or it might be the ending of a version of yourself that is going to die if you proceed in this relationship. Maybe you're getting married. Maybe you're buying a house. Maybe you're having children and you're expecting that you're going to be the same person from one side of the transition to the next. No, you're going to be a part of you is going to die and a new part of you is going to be reborn. And a lot of people's surf, the thoughts that bubble up are more like bubbles that just came from a much deeper part of you. And so we have to be willing to dive into the deep end of the ocean and find out where these bubbles are coming from. And the bubbles are usually the first thing we notice coming from the deep. And the bubble is, am I with the right partner? Or do I love this person? And it would be one thing if you had that thought and you confidently were like, no, I don't. I'm done. And then you just left. <laughs> but that's not what happens. This, When we experience relationship anxiety, um, it's like we have, it's like we're being yanked in two different directions on one part of us says, I definitely do love my partner. And another party, part of me is like, but I feel nothing towards them. I don't want to hug them. I don't want to kiss them. I don't want to fuck them. Like what the fuck is going on? And so for many of us, relationship anxiety is the first time we experience paradox within ourselves when first time we experience a split and the if you start not taking the thoughts at face value kind of like what Sheridan was saying it's like what happens if I don't make meaning out of this thought or if I don't take it so literally what if I were to follow it as if it were a trailhead and you got to be willing to like go meet your death and what more than likely what you'll find what most of our clients find is hard emotions like grief um you know if you are committing to someone for a long time and getting married, we see so many images of marriage and the wedding being this ecstatic thing, but you know, what's going on behind the shadows. I don't know. This was, ha this happened to me from, for my wedding months before I was crying. I was so sad. And on the one hand, I'm so sad because I'm leaving my single life behind and society will say, well, if you're grieving as much as you are, maybe you shouldn't be with them. That's conditioning. But really, we can have multiple contradictory realities existing in us at the same exact time, which means I, I am so excited and grateful to be um, building a life with this person. And not but, words are very important. And I'm so sad to be leaving my independence behind. And more than likely, if you, go, if you do go dive into the the dark part of the ocean, you know, have your dark night of the soul, that relationship anxiety beckons you to go to. Um, 
what you'll find is that these parts of yourself that you shamed for so long, such as the independent hoe that does not want to settle down, um, she doesn't actually necessarily die. You can still have her. Um, and, and that's part of the other illusion that you break through doing this work, which is that you're not going anywhere. You know, whether you stay in the relationship or go, you're still going to be with yourself. That is the most, that's the real, <laughs> rather than asking like, am I with the right partner? Really ask, can you handle being with yourself for the rest of your life, let alone another person? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I just, I love that. It's really interesting. There's so much to unpack and, and I love that you guys are doing this because there are so many women that feel this way. And it's that, that fear of missing out. That's what it is. It's FOMO. It's like, is there better? Is there another opportunity? I have that feeling about where I live. I'm like, should I move to a different city tomorrow? Like, should I change my career? Should I, like, it's just constant. And we need to, to learn how to acknowledge and like see those thoughts but then also come back to being like, okay, no, I'm actually, I choose to be happy where I am right now. Cause yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to share kind of an analogy that is still fresh on my mind. Cause it might run away. I have that with thoughts yeah. a lot. Um, it's kind of, a great analogy that I think of as like, when you go to a buffet and there's different lines for like different foods, there's like a line for the lobster and there's a line for the salad and there's a line for the pasta and like everybody's holding their plates in line and you're standing in line at, you know, you're in the pasta line. And then as you're standing in line, you've been standing there for 10 minutes and then you look over and you see someone in line for the, you look at the lobster and you're like, Ooh, maybe I want the lobster. And so you get out of your pasta line and you go into the lobster line. And then as you're waiting for the lobster line, you see the pastry line. And then it's like, you spent 10 minutes in the lobster line and you're like, actually I want that. And then this is what FOMO is. You never get anything. You never get anywhere because you are constantly changing the line. And it, it like I said, it is an illusion of freedom. And we need to, one of the most incredible um, pieces of medicine in relationship anxiety work, even though it's painful, even though we don't trust ourselves, even though we feel like shit about ourselves, anxiety is honestly, I'm going to say this and it might trigger some of you anxiety, especially relationship anxiety can be quite a bit narcissistic. It really can. It's like, oh, what if I don't get the best because yes. I am the best. Therefore I deserve the best. It's like, no, honey, you're not perfect. So you're not going to, you don't get perfect. I'm sorry. You know, relationship anxiety is pretty freaking narcissistic. Yeah. We think we're entitled to it all and we are, but first we have to be, be that, which you are really asking for. If you want the perfect partner, I hope you're perfect. It's so <laughs> say something about this word perfect yeah. i have to i have to we have the word perfect has been said so many times and i have an opinion and i just need to throw it out there throw it out we're we are connecting perfect with feeling good all of the time but that's actually i don't know when we decided that that was the definition of perfect so if we think that the perfect relation and this is a very good example for this is a good example for actually getting curious about your thoughts and your patterns and your, your feelings. So if we say, Oh my God, my life, I don't have the perfect relationship. And if it isn't perfect, I should leave. It's like, okay, that might be true, but does perfect equal always feeling happy and in love? Because if that's the case, 
That's impossible. We're human beings and we have a range of emotions and we're always going to feel both of them, no matter what our scenario is. Therefore, life can't be perfect. Therefore, that's if it's not perfect, then like you die or what is like, how does that work? Because that's you, you, they can't exist. We would combust. And what if it's okay, if it's not perfect, then leave. But maybe perfect is there are all of the ups and downs. And just like Natalie was saying before, when I am happy with myself, when I trust myself, when I feel really good being in relationship with myself, when I'm coming inwards to myself, just like you did, Mimi, the relationship feels good, well, relatively good, not perfect, <laughs> not 100% always good, but it feels nourishing. It feels supportive. It feels safe. It feels like someone I can grow with then maybe that's perfect. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I want to add one more thought here because I think that the idea of perfect is also connected to this idea that there's like one right path. And I hope those of you that are listening don't assume that I'm anti-breakup because it's it's very easy to come to that assumption. Like, oh, well, you're going to feel, you're going to go through ups and downs no matter who you're with. You're going to go through ups and downs whether you're single or in a relationship because ups and downs are a part of life. It's not indicative, you know, ups and downs aren't just non-existent when you're single. And then when you find the right person, there's no more ups and downs. It's like ups and downs are just a part of life. It has nothing to do with your relationship status. And some people are going to hear that and think, oh, Natalie is saying you should never break up. I am not saying that at all. Quite the contrary. I'm saying it <laughs> that doesn't really matter. <laughs> and it sounds really weird to say. It sounds kind of abrasive, but when you trust yourself, you trust that you're going to be okay, no matter what, whether you break up or not. I remember um, my my ex boyfriend, who I was with for almost four and a half years. Um, I literally one day had a moment where I was like, "Ooh, I'm done," and it was like, "I'm sad, but I'm done." And I broke up, and I cried, and I grieved, and there wasn't this like wavering about it. It was just this: "I'm done. I have arrived at a place of doneness." And with Preston, when I had that relationship anxiety, I could, the, the feeling of doneness was not there. It was, it was like, there's still more here to learn. Um, and the, the place I arrived is like, there's many trajectories. There's a trajectory where I marry Preston and I'm with him till the day I die. Then there's a trajectory where I marry him and I'm with him and we get divorced in 30 years. There's a trajectory where we get divorced in five years. There's a trajectory where I break up with him today, like now they all exist. And I played each of them out. And in all of them, I ended up fine. And this is going to freak a lot of you out because you think that there's this one right path, but really all paths lead to source. They all lead to the same place. And source just wants us to know ourselves. And the way we know ourselves is by choosing something. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to say about choosing and wanting to improve between people and things. I'm someone in life that I love to strive for more and I love to work towards more. And one of my fears, and you're going to laugh when you hear this, but my whole life, I always said, one of my fears is settling. And that was ingrained in how I thought about myself. And I still 
do like have a fear and I I don't want to settle. I want to be the best version of myself. I don't want to settle with myself. I want to, you know, continue to work towards myself. I want to, I don't want to settle with what, what I can do with my business and so on and so forth. But I, I know you guys talk about the word settling a lot. And I want to talk about that with you because for me, I don't have a negative connotation to it when it comes to like my work. I don't want to settle when writing my book. I want to do it the best I possibly can and feel satisfied, you know, just like that motivation aspect. But then it comes to the aspect of thinking about it with other people. Like, I don't want to settle on my best friend. I don't want to settle on my relationship. I don't want to settle on my, my, you know, relationship with my family. I want to make it the best possible one. Um, so I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on that word settling, because that's always been part of something I've always said. I don't like to settle. Is there a way well, to, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I have my thoughts. I'm sure Shaden has hers too, but when when we use the word settle, part of the reason we're so afraid of settling is because we perceive that someone else settled. But I think that's actually, I think it's actually very um, presumptuous of us to assume someone else's experience for them. You know, when we look at someone, we're like, oh, they settled. How do you know? How do you know that they're not deeply fulfilled? How do you know? It's very presumptuous. So if we perceive that someone else, and this is kind of karmic in a way, it's like when you, when you, look at someone and you judge them and you say they settled automatically you have poisoned yourself in the future because you are now going to try not to be like that. Um, and so it's, I'm, I'm just a fan of throwing that word out altogether because I know myself, I'm not, I'm not worried that I'm going to become complacent mainly because I enjoy the thrill of improvement so much. And but I, I'm not improving anymore because I want to get somewhere. I'm improving because I, I enjoy the dance of getting better. I love discipline. I love when I see I've improved on something. So there's a difference between improving to prove something and improving because you just love the experience of learning. Yeah. For you know? sure. And if you settled, don't worry. If you hate your life and you trust yourself, you'll wake up and you'll know and you'll have a doneness about it. And you and, have to trust that. And I, so I posted about this two week stint of mine a little bit a, a couple months ago and I wrote the word settle. I'm like, what is it? Like, is it settling? Is it like the fear of this? And someone wrote to me something so nice and I forget exactly what it said, but it said something along the lines of what if you're not settling? What if you're just settling down? And that's a, the same kind of word that feels better. It's like building a house and putting a huge investment into a home it's not, it, it's not settling for that home that could be bigger, you know, it's settling right. down for right now and being in this place of just like settling down. And that feels that, that energy of settling down versus settling the negative connotation of settling, like you could be doing better. Totally. I think that was such a nice message. Cause I love that feeling of like, I want to come home after a long day and settle down on the couch. You know what I mean? Like that kind of like warm feeling. So I, I agree. I think for some things, like I personally don't have an issue saying like, I don't want to settle for, you know, uh, my business to only do X, like, and for me, like more of like a tangible thing, not, not necessarily in the relationship sense at all, but not with another human being. I, I feel personally fine using that. I don't feel like a lack, but I've stopped using that word with people. I feel like that the, so 
The reason we don't want to settle is because we don't want to feel what we perceive somebody else felt when they were what we perceived settling, right? We don't want to feel like depressed. We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel stuck. We don't want to feel helpless. We don't want to feel hopeless. We don't want to feel unloved and unseen. That's very human. I don't want that either. Nobody wants that. But there's a difference between saying, and this is also why it might be easier in some places to feel like I'm not going to settle with my business. There's a difference between saying, I'm not going to settle because I'm in control of my life and what I create. And I'm going to get up every single day and be the best version of myself versus I don't want to settle. Therefore, I'm going to criticize my partner until he takes the trash out on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. every single week without a doubt. Or I'm going to look at him and get upset because he's put on a couple of kilos or he's going through a difficult time or I'm going to not commit to anyone and just kind of like see and define how to get the best one. Because somehow when it's with relationship, we put all of our energy into the other person and we kind of, we want them to look and behave and act um, and speak and just be a certain way so that then we can say, no, I haven't settled. They're ambitious enough. They're intelligent enough. They spend enough time with me. They spend money correctly. They have enough sense of adventure. They treat my mom right and my friends right. And they're romantic, but not too, not too romantic. We just, we want to create this perfect thing. Therefore, it's taking all of our power outside of ourselves. What if you just decide, okay, I don't want to settle, therefore I won't, but I'm always going to maintain that inside of myself. I'm going to decide that every single day I will wake up and just be somebody that I really like to be with. I will wake up and trust myself. I will wake up and feel good. I will wake up and do what I can and stop nitpicking your partner or criticizing your partner or judging your partner or judging the relationship to be something that it's not. Yeah. I love that you say that I, it's so true. It's like what, what you're looking for in the other person, how can you be more of that yourself? And it changes literally everything because if you're relying on someone else to be a certain way because of some lack within yourself, you know, no one wants to be controlling. And, um, you know, that that's such a sign that you might be having this feeling as if you're trying to control the other person. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the most common thing you guys work with on, with, with your clients? Like, is it that big question, you know, the million dollar question, is it relationship anxiety or is it just the wrong person? What question is it? Is it like one big thing you have to work through or it's more personal development work? I think self-trust is something that is across the board, trusting our, teaching our clients to trust their decisions, trust their experiences. Every single person that works with us is going to walk out of the experience with a heightened salt sense of self-trust in their relationship and their life, um, heightened awareness of their emotions, being able to relate to their thoughts with more curiosity and compassion instead of going on those big spirals of thinking and writing and all of that stuff. But everyone is so unique. Yeah. I actually just looked at the time and I realized we've been talking for an hour and you have a hard cutoff. (laughs) This has been an amazing conversation. You guys are awesome. Like, honestly, come back on whenever I know the audience is going to love this convo and 
it was such a value add because it's not spoken about enough, honestly. Again, the pleasure is ours. It was awesome being up on here and uh, you asked some great questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, okay. So where can everyone find you guys before we quickly hop off? Is it Instagram is your place to go or TikTok? I'd love to to get that for the audience because you guys have to go follow. Yeah. Very fun to follow. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So right now we are most active on Instagram um, and TikTok. Uh, We are trying to reduce our reliance on social media um, because the Instagram has a lot of control over us. So um, if you head to anxiouslovecoach.com, you can subscribe to my slash our email list. Um, the Anxious Love Coach podcast is also a place where you can get really nuanced content, like a lot of TikTok and Instagram. Um, that stuff is, you know, it has to be, it's polarizing. So if you want longer form content, you can find it there. Um, I shared, and if you have to hop off, I love you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Uh, just if she wants to say thanks Sheridan <laughs> I will say Mimi thank you so much um this was amazing I wish we could speak forever because I'm really enjoying this you guys can come back thank on you. literally whenever maybe we'll get listener questions next time and we can actually do a good yeah yes big pe- yes for that yes. okay bye Okay. Bye. <laughs> um, but the, the last thing I wanted to mention too is, uh, Mimi is that, um, I'm actually hosting a women's retreat called aliveness from within in November. And that is really exciting because I feel like a lot of us are looking for aliveness from our partners. We're looking for our partners to turn us on. And I'm not saying they can't, but usually part of the reason we get turned on is because we are receptive to being turned on, not just by our partners, but by life and turn on is a way of life. It has less to do with the person you're with. Um, although they can certainly contribute to it. So a lot of, you know, this is happening in California, California hot springs, um, for five days for women that are interested, that are don't have to be in committed relationship, but I believe committed relationship is one of the quickest ways to, um, awaken, it's yeah. like I said, all paths lead to the same place. If you want to take the relationship anxiety was the best thing that ever happened to me route, <laughs> then this retreat is, is about that. It's using relationship anxiety as a portal to activating your, your feminine sensuality, your sexuality, your aliveness. Um, and the irony is that if you are having um, not just relationship anxiety, but if you're having dynamics with your partner that are unsexy, um, you don't just have to like, I'm going to use the word settle right now, just on purpose. You don't have to necessarily just accept that your that dynamics always going to be that way, but rather find your turn on, find your arrows and re put that into the relationship and see what the F happens. Cause a lot of times it's pretty magical. What happens if you just change your side of the dynamic? So we do a lot of relationship anxiety, trauma work type stuff, but a lot of what we do lately, especially now is pleasure-based work, which is a whole nother ball game. Pleasure is actually much harder than, than pain. Um, cause a lot of women don't feel like they deserve pleasure. So this is, this is the other piece. It's like finding your turn on from the inside out so that you don't have to pigeonhole your partner into being this savior for you. And, mm-hmm. um, it's really amazing. So if people are interested in that, they can go to anxiouslovecoach.com and enroll and feel free to DM me on Instagram to do if you're, if you're interested, yes. but that's it. I'm going to check that out. That's awesome. That's really great. Yay. So, so cool. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Mimi. I love jumping on podcasts. It doesn't happen very often, but when I saw yours, I was like, yes.